gentlemen welcome to another edition of paranormal plus with grizzly tracy inman what's going on tracy not much chris how are, how are you holding up doing good let's see here welcome katherine uh, how you doing there uh hey, let's Catherine. see else we got here Nigel, welcome to the show hey Nigel. irene from japan welcome how's everybody Come doing on, irene. <laughs> yeah so irene has got some very good abilities uh so uh Barry and Mort, uh, welcome Mort. I'm not going to forget hey, you. Welcome to the show. And Brian, Mr. Mr. Whelan from Canada, welcome. Hey, Brian. Hello there, kind sir. So, yeah, so Helen and Kelly, I didn't see you. Kelly slid in at the last second, coming around the corner, hey, and riding the rail there, Kelly. But yeah, from <laughs> Australia, nice to meet you, Kelly. And Luna. Well, hello there, Luna. How are you? Hey, Luna. So, yeah, I hope everybody's doing good. I just received your T-shirt. Well, thank you, kind sir. Greatly appreciate that, Mark. Awesome. So, what's going on with you, Tracy? Well, I'm going to put an order in for one of those T-shirts there, Grizz. Yeah. Actually, two T-shirts. We're going to purchase two of them from you. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Definitely. Right? definitely. And FDL Paranormal. Hey, FDL. How you guys doing? Sorry, yeah, Mike. Michael. Yeah. Kelly, oh, Kelly came back from a... Uh, Florida over the weekend. I didn't really have an opportunity to give you a call, but, but we'll definitely hook up this week. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the only thing I've really been up to is uh, trying to plan this. For seven weeks, we're going to to London, and we're going to go over to Paris. I'm trying to find my paperwork for that catacombs. 
we're going to do a some type of a, a, a little hunt there, my, myself and my wife, when we're there. So we'll definitely have it recorded or try to go live or something so everybody can see it. And, and, and oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. 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 Awesome. That, that will be. It'll be a big good one. So and that's about it, Grizzly. How about you? How, what have you been up to? Just podcast? Wow. So activity in the studio, uh, driving me nuts. I got my cat ball. You see, it's activated. I just touched it stuff uh my dolls are jumping off the studio the top of my studio like they're committing suicide again uh oh. last night during one of my shows uh i had something crawling on my foot and i'm like what the hell and uh and i didn't say anything and everybody's like are you okay and i'm like, look i didn't touch it that time ladies and gentlemen my hands were in my lap and uh and i was like something's crawling on my foot so i looked down and i was like what and i'm like I don't know what I can't see because it's dark down there because I don't wear shoes in my studio. Just I take my shoes off. You know, I got hardwood floors well, yeah, and I yeah. got, you know, whatever. And I wear my socks and I go I go down. I don't know if I moved it when I go to grab it. But when I went to reach for it, it moved and it was Hansel. And oh, I was yeah. like, you got to be joking. I mean, it totally freaked me out. So I got me and my EMF detector out, man. It was being pegged out. I was being touched. The girl from Australia was like, I'm getting touched. And I'm like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. So, yes, Brian. Grizzly, yeah. So I, I tell you. But, uh, yeah, so who we got lined up tonight? I heard it's very interesting. So we have Joe DeHoyos. He, uh. A Bigfoot uh, researcher from Texas. Uh, he's a, the host of the podcast Beyond the Woodline. He actually had me on that uh, a couple months ago, and I was very appreciative of it, and I thought we'd get him on here with us. I've uh, <clears throat> been researching Bigfoot since 2012. Uh, his interest in the strange and mysterious began at a young age. He's uh, had experiences uh, with the paranormal and has seen a UFO twice, and he's also the dire executive director of the Je Jevning research group headed and founded by William Jebning and he's dedicated to finding out more about the species and it's their hope that they can uh, be an integral part of proving the existence of existence of the creature known as Bigfoot. They do exist ladies and gentlemen I have personally seen them they do exist they come in different size shapes fashions but yeah so let's bring them on. Mr. Joe, welcome to the show there, kind sir. How you doing? Welcome. What's up, fellas? Man, thanks for that kind introduction. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You deserve it. There it is. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. I really do appreciate it. So hey. introduce yourself and, yeah. and tell everybody a little bit about yourself because everybody's like, what? Who? Who? Yeah. Yeah. Who the hell is this crazy looking guy, right? Yeah, well, I'm Joe DeHolio, so I have my own podcast. It's called Beyond the Woodline. We discuss everything from the paranormal to UFOs, aliens, uh, Bigfoot, different cryptids. I've had a guy on there who's had near death experiences, come on, arrow, uh, soul contracts, uh, just so many different things, you know. So it, it's just a lot of fun to do this, and it's something that I've had a passion for my whole life, really. I started when I was a little kid, and uh, I had a neighbor. He lived across the street from us. He actually worked with my dad, and we would spend so much time over there, especially like during the summer times when we didn't have school. How you doing, Catherine? And he would tell us like all these stories, just different 
spooky stories involving Bigfoot and demons and paranormal and aliens. And you consider it was like the late 70s, early 80s. I don't know where he got all these stories up from. He may have been making them up for all I know, but he did a great job in putting that little spark in my head to find out uh, more about this crazy subject, you know, that we're all involved in. And uh, even when I got old enough to cut grass, I was buying books with the money I was earning from that, you know. And I mean, that went all the way through high school. Then in high school, you know, you get older, you start chasing girls and playing sports and chasing girls. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, I went to college for a couple of years afterwards, wind up getting married, having a family. Uh, all that got put on the back burner. But once they got old enough, uh, it was right around the same time when all the Bigfoot shows and paranormal shows started coming out, like, in, you know, the early 2000s, right? And that kind of, you know, piqued my interest again. And I started investigating and I started going out doing Bigfoot stuff. And I, in retrospect, I guess I was using my family as bait because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. But I was just going out <laughs> and looking for Bigfoot. And funny enough, the, the places I started going to, after I started meeting people in the field, they, were start, they started telling me, hey, go here and go there. You know, you'll have activity. And I was like, shit, I was already there. So. So it was kind of cool that I kind of stumbled upon these areas, and I've had some pretty good uh, results, some pretty cool uh, evidence, I think. And then, of course, um, I lived in a house for like five years, and it was extremely active in the paranormal uh, sense. Uh, and uh, then uh, I went fishing. And I was in Galveston, and then uh, I saw a big disc flying right above us, you know, being the guy I was with. He pointed it out to me. He was like, hey, Joe, look up there. And this is about, this is about close to 20 years ago. And I looked up to my left and man, we saw this freaking round disc, uh, a saucer shaped craft right above us. And I tell everyone, I think a professional baseball player could have hit it with a baseball. You know, it was that close. And it man. was just so slow and so smooth. It went right along the beach and so it, it disappeared. No noise, no light. But it was a clear night, full moon that night, as a matter of fact. And I mean, not a cloud in the sky. This thing was just like I said, right above us. It's right above us. It's crazy. So, That's yeah. crazy. You know, and I that, definitely can elaborate on anything else you want to talk about. But yeah, that's uh, that's. So that was uh, that was your first time seeing one. What was your your second time? The second time, um, I, I was actually out doing some Bigfoot stuff. This was like maybe a year, year and a half ago, and I was out with our good friend Walter who had an encounter out in the San Houston Forest, as a matter of fact. That's where I do most of my research, San Houston Forest, north of Houston. And uh, so we were out doing our Bigfoot stuff, setting out recorders, and we came back to his house because he doesn't live very far from that area. And uh, we were sitting out in the front yard, and it was already like, I don't know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, dude, let me get back home because I had an hour drive. And... Uh, so we were out in the front yard, and we happened to look up, and we seen these two lights just coming at each other like this, these two orbs way up in the sky. When they got close, they did it like a couple of circles, maybe two or three circles, and then they went in opposite directions. Huh. And that was just the weirdest thing that I had seen. And it was funny because I was talking to someone like, um, I don't know, like within last week, and they were telling me that they've seen the same thing happen uh, in, in Vegas, as a matter of fact. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that that is interesting. You ever see a UFO, Grizz? Oh yeah. Don't forget, I grew up in the country, so there was right. a lot of mysterious lights and stuff that we could not explain growing up. 
so uh, especially out there when you're out in the middle of 1500 acres and you're you know trying to fish and stuff but yeah very interesting uh i can tell you that yeah uh it never a dull moment around me uh, tracy knows that so unfortunately yeah. you know uh there was something that I, I was watching the other day if you, i don't know if you guys saw it or not like the guy making that call saying he had nine foot people in the back right backyard. Yeah. did you see that what are your thoughts on that joe just curious I, well, hearing the guy talk, he absolutely saw something, you know. And of course, there's you know there's there's other footage, uh, yep, uh, from the police body cam, right? Seeing something fall out of the sky. There's even like a ring footage where you can almost feel the impact. You can you, you can hear it. Uh, so yeah, there if something happened there, and uh, I'm I'm convinced that uh, they these people saw something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, uh, everything's picked up over the past couple of years to me anyway. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Uh, as the paranormal's grown, I think we're getting so big, the the community is that we're, they're starting to see more of the, of the UFO stuff coming out of people that normally might not report it or, or see anything because they people might label them as, you know, crazy or, or something like that, right? Whereas now it's becoming more of the norm. I think just like paranormal, I mean, people are coming out of the woodwork because they know it's acceptable now, you know, to an extent it's, it's acceptable. Yeah. And I think the thing about the UFO is that it's just so like so many people can actually uh, document this kind of stuff now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that's part of the reason why there's uh, the activity has picked up a lot. It's probably always been here, but now you have, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't go outside without looking up at the sky, especially at night. But I, if I walk outside right now, you know, it's plenty of daylight. I'm looking up at the sky, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I think a lot more people do that. Just kind of look up and pay attention, you know. So FDL Paranormal wants you to explain what's going on because they don't have much coverage of that incident over there. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, as far as, like I said, uh they saw something fall out of the sky. They saw a bright light. And like I said, it is, there's quite a few uh, videos on what uh, this object was. Uh, a, I think a dash cam from a police officer uh, caught it. Somebody else filmed it. Uh, somebody else, their ring cam captured the impact when he hit the ground. And you could definitely hear it. It's, it, it sounded like something massive hit the ground, you know. And, uh, like I said, you could almost feel it through the video. You know, it, it was such a solid impact. And, uh, the family, I'm not sure where they're from. Um, I'm not sure if they're from Hispanic descent or not, but they were speaking and I couldn't really understand it. And people were like, are they speaking Spanish? What are they speaking? But uh, yeah, they uh, were out there. They were speaking in their native tongue and uh, they even had pistols on them. And they went to the gate and opened the gate and they just like rushed back into their yard right away. There's a shop back there. I think it belongs mm -hmm. to the father. He has a shop and that's where the this object landed and uh on the video that they took it was shaky and grainy unfortunately but you could definitely see something there yep. and they described it as you know eight to ten foot beings well the guy did uh, he described it as eight to ten foot beings and he said there was two of them had big heads big eyes and big mouth there was uh thin they had uh he said he could see their chest and the rib cage and they were standing behind a pretty big Forklift. So I guess that's where he got 
the measurement from because that it, it's not like a regular smaller forklift. It's, it's actually one of the bigger ones. So whatever it was was definitely above the cab of that forklift. So I think that's where you got the measurement from. And you know, he calls nine one one. He tells them this is one hundred percent not a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Thanks, thanks for for walking yeah, us through that. And as of right now, he's not talking to anyone. He he made a few uh, uh, comments here and there, and he talked on somebody's show and you know right away people started calling him a liar and a hoaxer so he's like i'm done he's like he's, he's like i don't care if people believe me which i don't blame him you know well yeah he, he came out to tell his story and right away people you know start calling him a liar and a fake and a hoaxer so you know you don't have to put up with that you know i certainly wouldn't agreed agreed yeah absolutely on that yeah, yeah. hey and ninja see, that's why, a reason why people always keep quiet when it when it uh, involves all this stuff, people don't want to be made fun of, you know, called a liar or a faker, hoaxer. Well, like I said, I think it's changed a little bit, though. I think it's it's starting to where they can, they feel a little bit more comfortable coming out, at least on the paranormal side. Maybe not the UFO side, like I was thinking, but right. definitely definitely on the paranormal side. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask you also about the Jevning Research Group. Said your executive director, if you wouldn't mind. I'm not, I've never hunted Bigfoot. I I didn't even really think about it much until I started my paranormal journey. And then uh, talking with Chris, it's very, very interesting to me. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, explain what what your group is and and, and what what they do. Well, well, we're a a nationwide group. Really, we've we've got teams in Australia and Malaysia. Now I'm thinking of it too. Uh, But we have teams in uh, Tennessee, New York State, Oregon, California, Ohio, Oklahoma, Michigan, uh, Florida, and of course here in Texas where I'm at. And there's probably a couple other states that I'm, I'm leaving out, but we have teams uh, all over the country really. And what we try to do is find hot spots, uh, anyone who's been a witness to these uh, creatures and uh, go in and investigate and do some research. You know, and, uh, a lot of times people who have private property are having issues with these creatures and they need help and they need somebody to go out there and just, you know, believe them. Uh, that's very important to a lot of witnesses is that whether or not someone believes them or not, you know. Uh, so that's what we try to do. We just try to go and, you know, help out as much as we can, give them some ideas. And uh, we're not necessarily a pro-kill group. <laughs> but we're not necessarily against it. And some people are, you know, go one way or, or the other, you know. Uh, yeah. It, and what we try to do really is just try to gather evidence and, uh, you know, whether it's audio, video, you know, DNA, you know, we've gotten hair samples here and there and, you know, it comes back inconclusive a lot of times, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think the existence of this creature when it's finally proven and out there, I think audio is going to play a big part. And that's what we try to do. Hey, how you doing guys? Yeah, and that's what we try to do. We we really try just to get a lot of recordings of this creature. So so if I'm just a guy out there never hunted Bigfoot and started becoming interested in, and both you guys can answer this, I could go to this your uh, group that you just talked about and could probably find somebody in the area to do it. That that you know in the Illinois, St. Louis, Missouri area, right. I, I could probably find someone like that. So that'd be a good way to a question here. That'd be a good way for someone like me, a novice to get started. Right. Right. Exactly. And we're always looking for people uh, who want to help investigate. And that doesn't necessarily mean 
getting out into the field, you know, uh, you can do it from behind the computer, you know, find locations, find witnesses, you know, look up the history of places and say, hey, Bigfoot has been seen here for, you know, years and years, you know, so that, that always helps us out too. And yeah, for people who've never gone out and want to do it, uh, we can certainly, you know, connect you with, with people in your area because we do have a team in Missouri, as a matter of fact, too. So I'll take them. So, yeah, yeah. And now know, I know Grizzly's big time into it. I, I know that as well. You, you kind of the same same way, Grizzly. Is there anybody that any way to reach out to any groups that you know of as well? Yeah. So I have people reach out to me uh, all the time. I got connections all across the world. Uh, so, uh, especially, uh, in my area, the tri-state area, Kentucky, Indiana, uh, Tennessee and Ohio, uh, they just need to let me know and I'll make the phone call and I get them connected. So yeah, it's not a problem at all. So what everybody's wondering right now is have you two ever Bigfoot hunted together? Never have, but we need to, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That'd be an interesting one. I think I'd like to be there if you guys ever did that. (laughs) I, got yeah. it. I think it's a lot of fun. And that's, oh, absolutely. That's one of the things I always try to be sure that I'm enjoying myself and having fun. You know, I, I try to take anything too serious. No, I, I, I agree with you. Now, if you don't mind, uh, I'm interested, uh, William Jevning, how did he come about starting this group? Well, William's been involved in a Bigfoot field for over 40 years, probably man, 45 years now at this point, I'd bet. Um, he had an encounter as, as a teenager. Uh, he, he, he grew up in Northern California, I believe, or maybe it was, was Washington because he grew up around that area, but, uh, uh, I think it was Washington and he, um, his dog was barking at the wood line and he went out there he grabbed his 22. His dad always told him if you see a skunk or a raccoon, shoot it. Cause it might have rabies. You know, he grew up with a bunch yeah. of livestock. So. He grabbed his 22 and ran out there with his dog. And before he got to the wood line, his dog took off running back to the house. He's like, what the hell's wrong with this dog? This dog ain't scared of nothing. So he goes into the wood line and he gets in there. There's a small clearing and there's one in there standing up, moving the, the leaves around with its foot, you know, and uh, it looks up, it sees William and he says it's not very happy, the, the expression on his face. And um, so he decides to shoot up in the air try to scare it off and when he shoots in the air he hears a noise coming from his right rear and another one's come out you know so oh, he had two of them there were like within 15 20 feet of them um, no kidding yeah so that got him interested and he got one of his kids wrote i mean one of his kids one of his classmates wrote uh either john green or renee Hendon, and these are two guys that are like the pioneers in the bigfoot research field and he became really good friends with these guys and uh like I said, John Green and Renee DeHendon, man, they're like legends in the field. And Will was a teenager hanging out with these guys. And, you know, hmm. so he got to know them for, you know, for many, many years. And, uh, you know, he got to talk to uh, uh, Bob Gimlin when they recorded uh, 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 the, you know, the Bluff Creek video with Patty. Oh, yeah. No, no, that, that, that's cool. Uh, so did he go into the wood line or did he go? Beyond the wood line. <laughs> yeah, he went into the wood line. <laughs> he didn't go quite beyond. Uh, uh, a pun, that's a, a little pun for your podcast <laughs> there, Beyond the Wood Line. <laughs> no, hey, it's, it's great that he started something like that up, though, you know, helping get helping get the, the get going, you know, getting people involved. So, 
so good for good for him, you know. And you know, shameless plug, he has his own uh, podcast. It's called a uh, Bigfoot Creek Devil. So you guys look it up. He's got a, some really good encounters, some really good guests. I've been on there a couple of times. And uh, when it comes to Bigfoot witnesses, I try not to have them on my show. I I, I generally give them the wheel because I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't the wheel. So. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Yolanda. What are your thoughts, Chris? What are you thinking on all this? So it, it, it's a very interesting subject. It, it's always, you know, the ones that I love are the non-believers, ladies and gentlemen, because those are the ones I love to have the, the actual encounters, because then they're the ones that are like, damn. Right. Now, what do I do? Because not only have I crucified and made fun of people over the years and said that they were full of doo-doo. Right. And now I got PTSD. I do no longer go hunting. And then they cry on, the, on my shows and they uh, apologize for their actions for the years. They cause turmoil for people. And it, it's a shame. And, and I always tell people, you know, anymore, there are things that walk upon this earth that people do not realize that does exist. It says in the biblical reference, God made creatures seen and unseen. So uh, now you told me 20 years ago, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Littlefoot, however you want to call him, hairy man, wild man, was an ape. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd believe that. You told me that he was intelligent. I would laugh at you and, and, and go on. Now, what I've been told and what I've been you know, informed by indigenous tribes and in clergy and uh, clansmen and everything else and how intelligent uh, the level they are, they have and what they are capable of doing. And I mean, it's just incredible. So uh, that puts another spin on things. Ron Moorhead is an admin of, of several of my Facebook groups. And him and I talked many times before, and, you know, and he said the same thing uh, when he wrote his book about quantum physics and quantum mechanics. You know, uh, 20 years ago, he would laugh at you. Now, today, you know, he says not only do we have to think outside the box, we have to look over the box to realize what's going on around us. Because, you know, we assumed that we were dealing with primates and so forth, but from my research and uh, witnesses and interviews that I've done over the years in, in with different types of tribes and encounters, and uh, they are very intelligent. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree. And I'd have to agree with just about everything you said. Um, you know, they're definitely, I would call them a primate uh, or, or an ape. I mean, we are, you know, um, yeah, Bigfoot is a gateway drug to the paranormal. Yeah. Um, you know, I believe that Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature, but I also believe there's other entities out there, you know. Uh, and for the, just so everyone will know, if someone came to me and said, hey, look, I saw Bigfoot go through a portal or I saw Bigfoot disappear, I'm going to listen to your story, right? And I'm not going to call you a liar. I'm not going to tell you that's not what happened to you. That, that, that's not what you experienced. Uh, but on my personal level, I just believe they saw something else, you know. Um, yeah, and that's just what I believe. And uh, you know, I've heard different people say that they've seen them like get off a spaceship or whatever. You know, um, I can't tell them that they didn't see it if I wasn't there. You know, and these are perfectly sane people, people like us, right? You know, people, and like you said, people who were like non-believers to begin with. 
and then they see this extraordinary event happen right in front of their eyes, you know, who am I to tell them, well, that's not what happened, and that's not what you saw, and that's not what the creature did, you know, I, I'm not going to say that to anyone, but I just believe that there are different entities out there, different beings, and, uh, but I believe that there is a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch that is uh, a terrestrial being, you know. And, and you know, they, they're, they're definitely intelligent because they're they're able to elude quite quite well right better than pretty much uh, i'm not a hunter by you know any means whatsoever right but i i would think you know you can hunt lions you can hunt this that you know where they're at and what part of the world and all that but with the bigfoot from my understanding studying just a little bit and talking with you guys with chris and all that is they're all over almost every continent right yeah, just about every continent. Yeah, and, and not one's ever, no one's ever actually caught. Or am I wrong on that? Being a novice, am I wrong that nobody's caught that? There's been several people that I know of uh, that I've heard on several different podcasts. You know, say that they've shot and killed these things, or they put them down. Uh, as far as what happened to the body, I'm not sure, but there are a few people who have claimed to have shot these creatures and another one will come and grab it and scoop it up and take off with it, you know, that they take care of their dead. And, uh, which I believe too. And like I said, I've heard this from normal people, you know? Well, you know, as, and I hate to say this and come out the wrong way, but with as greedy as some people are in this world, if they were to shoot something, I would imagine a greedy person might try to sell that body to a scientist or, or, you know, somehow get someone to, uh, do an autopsy or something like that. And, you know, I'm just talking about a guy that ha- that is just now diving into it. Right. Uh, so that being said, they're, they're very, very smart. And I like the fact that they do take care of their own. And I would hope that if these people did shoot them, that they did leave them there. So those, they could come take care of them. You well, know, uh, yeah, well, one guy in particular, they were going to go in there and get that body. They wanted to get that body, but they had already expended a lot of ammo, ammo on that one. And there was, you know, several more around when the, another one came and grabbed it. Um, but the only reason why they shot it was because they were defending their property and their, and their homes. You know, this thing was coming up and messing with them, uh, you know, almost on a daily basis. And even, you know, scaring the children for that matter, you know, uh, pretty bad. You, you brought something in, interesting yeah. there. Is it, do they normally hang out in packs? Or perhaps, uh, you know, people call them what troops, you know, okay, typically, you know, six to nine. But people have said they've seen like, you know, 10, 12, 15 of them together. So, well, that, that, that that's the man that makes me want to, Chris, we're, we're going to be hooking up one day here. Yeah, you got you guys are going to have to take me out into the field here and, and, yeah. and check it out. Yeah. You know, I've listened, I've listened to Chris talk about it before, and I'm sure you do the same thing, Joe. Uh, listening for listening for different sounds, different uh, you know, just sitting there in the in the forest, just listening for something that is out of the ordinary. Is is that kind of correct? Is that how how you go about your 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 hunt as well? Yeah. Um, so I don't like hunt them. I don't FDL ask you know FDL paranormal. Ask well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say hunt, but when yeah. you go out there to to look for them. Yeah. Well, FDL asks, you know, what what do I take when I hunt for them? I don't, as far as like, uh, I take regular equipment, the recorders, trail cams, you know, cameras, you know, video recorders. I've got night vision that records. So I have that. As far as uh, weapons, I, we usually have something on us, you know, 
but it's really not for them. It's for the other animals, especially the hogs here in Texas, you know. Uh, but there are hogs and coyotes and bobcats, and then there are the, the other two-legged people that uh, you know that I'm worried about. You know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you don't know who you're going to run into when you get in the woods, and I'm probably more scared of people than I am of anything else. You know. So, Chris, you 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 take pretty much that stuff as well, right? Do you take anything out of the ordinary? Yes, sir. I take something. I take down a grizzly bear. Then I take stuff that I'll take down crackheads. <laughs> there so, you go. Because uh, out in the country, they make meth out in the woods and, and narcotics. So uh, you never know who you're going to come across or walk upon a, a grove field of marijuana. And that's not a good place to be if you're on uh, some land and you're doing an investigation. So I am fully prepared. Uh, I have take a lot of electronics with me. Not only, oops, not only do I take stuff, but I also have the stuff where you can communicate, talk, uh, text, uh, track, uh, SOS. If you get hurt on the side, your GPS, all that. So I go fully equipped, just like a, a military soldier does, because uh, you never know what you're going to encounter. Uh, you never know where you're going to be or what's going to happen when you're out there. If somebody does get hurt and your cell phones, usually in some locations I go, does not work. So that's why yeah. I use it. Now, I did not do that. It went on its own on that time. So I actually, I do. I prepare for the worst just in case. Uh, I do take uh, first aid kits and so forth, you know, because you don't know. I mean, somebody can get hurt, cut themselves, whatnot. Uh, but. You know, cameras, I've, I've got about 32 trail cams, different makes and models and and so forth. But, you know, good luck with those because, uh, you know, they can see the infrared. And I got the ones without the infrared sensors that can get up to 90 feet away and they still loot them. So I think they can see things and plus they interfere with electronics. So that's very interesting. So I don't know if you ever experienced that or not. So. You know, we had one instance, and and again, I, I don't I don't know if they mess with your, your electronics, but we had an instance where we went out to Walter's area where he had his encounter, and we had two packs, the big packs of the double A's. I think they come like a sixteen pack or a twenty packs. We had just bought them for this trip, and when we get there, we're trying to put them in his uh, night vision camera. Nothing works. Right, <laughs> nothing works. We get back to his house later that night. And we we tried again and everything comes back on, you know. So that was that was kind of strange. That was the only time that something like that has has ever happened. Uh, so that's but yeah, that, that is weird. But I do believe that there's a lot of paranormal stuff that goes on in the woods too, and yeah. people right away say, "Well, it was you know that was Bigfoot," you know, uh, whether it's the, the the footsteps or the murmurs or talking or stuff getting thrown. You know, I, I don't think everything is Bigfoot. And that's something that I've kind of had to, I guess, readjust my belief for the last few years on, on that. No, that's uh, understandable. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
Well, welcome back, everybody, to Paranormal Plus with Grizzly and Tracy Inman. So this edition is brought to you by Western Kentucky Bigfoot and Paranormal Investigations, LLC. Thank you, Mr. Don Wyden. Another edition. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we have Mr. Joe with us out of Texas. Glad to have you on there. Hello, Yolanda. So, yeah, very interesting. Uh, I do believe in elementals and so forth. Uh, There are other things that walk upon this earth that are in the woods. So, yeah, I do believe in that stuff. Absolutely. Now, uh, can we dive a little bit into your paranormal experiences, Joe? Uh, is there, are there anything that pop out to you that you're like, wow, that was something that I never thought would ever happen. <laughs> so, uh, many years ago in another lifetime, I was living in a, in a different house. Um, we moved into, uh, another house. I was only in that house for like five years myself, but, uh, we, we just get settled in. It was that same weekend I'm laying in bed. And I feel the bed like go down, right? And I and I had a boxer, and he was a seventy-five pound boxer, pretty good dog. And I felt the the bed go down, and I thought it was him, and he's not allowed on the bed, and he knows it, right? So I sit up real quick. I'm like, you know, get your butt off the bed, you know. But there was nobody there. A few days later, it happened again, and I sat up, and I'm like, you know, get off the bed, you know, and nobody's there. So I go to the kitchen. Everyone's in the kitchen. I'm like, uh, this house is haunted. And right away, everyone's like, yeah, it is. We had this happen. We had this happen to us, right? And especially like you know, coming from my kids, they all we weren't even there two weeks, and they had already all had their own experiences. You know, um, my youngest told me that she was eating a bowl of cereal and she felt somebody tap her on her shoulder. She had her earbuds in, so she thought it was me. You know, and she turned around, she was nobody was there, but I felt somebody tap me on the shoulder. Then my oldest said she was laying in bed and she was on her phone. Uh, it was late at night, getting ready for you know go to sleep and. Uh, her closet was open and her closet is is very wide it's not one of those long walking ones it's just it's the wide yeah. one. It's got those accordion doors you know and there's no light in there and she said a a bright light flash like someone took a picture you know um and then, uh my son was telling me that he had heard footsteps when he was home by himself so i mean right away the the activity picked up in that house and nothing what I would call bad, right, or evil, or had ill intent. It was it, it scared us because it was surprising when it happened, but it wasn't like it was trying to scare us. Like one morning, I was uh, maybe two or three o'clock in the morning. I, I woke up and I was I slipped on the side of the bed where the window was at, and there was a dark figure standing there. And it's a it's a woman. I could make her out her figure with a long dress, and it scared the hell out of me because you know I just woke up and there's somebody standing there, and I threw a kick at it, you know, and it disappeared. So I think I'm the first guy to do karate on a ghost. And uh, but uh, yeah, after that, you know, I was sitting in bed on bed one morning. I I went in at six thirty, and it was six o'clock, and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed contemplating my life decisions, you know. And I felt somebody like poke me in the ribs. You know, you've all been like poked or jabbed in the ribs, you know, or messing with somebody, just kind of jab them in the ribs, you know. That happened to me, you know, and. And I was like, what the heck was that? And I turned around, kind of looked. Nobody was there. Um, my my oldest had just graduated high school, and she called me up. I was at work. She goes, hey, something weird just happened. Uh, she goes, I'm watching TV. And from where she's watching TV, yeah, I'll tell you about that in a little bit, Lauren. She's watching TV, and there's like the hallways right there, and, her, and the door to her bedroom was right there. You can see it. She said she's, it opened up, 
and the light came through because it was in the daytime. And she saw somebody look through the crack of the door and you know, come back. And uh, then when my son graduated the next year, he was he called me up. He's like, "Hey, uh, I'm sitting here watching TV," and he said, "I saw some movement out of the corner of my eye." And I looked, and he goes, "And I saw this gray figure, human human figure, reach his finger out and touch him on his arm." He said, "Well, as soon as it touched him on his arm, he said all the hair on on his arm stood up, and the, the figure disappeared." And uh, yeah, I've seen the figure move across the kitchen. You know, the living room, uh, my oldest one night, too. It was uh, it was late at night, maybe at midnight. I was watching TV, and she comes out of her room. She goes, Dad, she goes, I was sitting laying in bed, and uh, I saw this dark figure in one corner, and it moved over to the next corner of the room. And uh, at that point in time, I said, you know what? I got recorders. You know, I, I was ready doing the Bigfoot thing. And uh, she... Uh, I told my son, I said, go get my recorder. And he's like, okay. So he goes, he grabs the recorder, and I said, we're going to do an EVP. And I'm still talking to my oldest. And I look up, and my son and my youngest are gone. And I'm like, where the hell did they go? And I see him coming out of my daughter's room, and my son's white as a ghost, man. He's like, Dad, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. And he presses play, and you can hear him say, is anybody here with us? And you hear a man's voice go, yeah, just that clear. And, okay, somebody's here, you know. Uh, yeah, we had the faucets would come on. The the shower, it was one of those big knobs you had to pull out and then turn left or right for hot or cold, you know. Yeah. Shower would come on. Um, one time I was in the shower and I felt somebody like get a finger and run it down my spine. So, yeah, so we, you know, it, it was just it was a crazy house, and even our dog would like get up real fast, like out of a sleep, like jump up. And he'd run to one of the rooms like he was looking for something or looking for someone, you know. Or he would kind of stand and, and look at the wall like, or maybe looking at something that was right in front of him for all we know, right? But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it, was, it was a cool place, actually, to, you know, to live in. And after I left that house, uh, my son, he was in the Marines at this time already. He went back to go stay over there. And uh, he called me up. He's like, Dad, something freaked me the hell out and I said what happened he's like you know uh we're laying here in the bed it's early in the morning like maybe eight o'clock in the morning and uh everyone else had already left the house it was just him his wife and his baby and Eli was maybe three years old at the time and the bedroom door started shaking like someone had the doorknob it was like shaking it really really hard he even showed me how it, how it happened he, he closed my door he started shaking it like really hard and he's like it he goes, and I saw it shaking. He goes, I jumped up. He said, I grabbed my AR, you know, freaking crazy Marine, right? He grabbed his AR, loaded it up, and when he looked at the door, it did it again. It's for a second time. He said, so I ran to the door, opened it up. He goes, Dad, there was nobody there. And uh, he went through the whole house, checked area, all the other rooms, and there was a three-bedroom house. And everybody uh, in there, all the doors and windows were locked. They have burglar bars on, on all the windows anyway, so no one's coming in. Through the windows and the back door and the side door they've got these metal bars that we used to put on the, the back doors so no one could come in through them and uh those bars were on the doors and the front the front door it has a burglar bar door and it's got like a little enclosed porch that also has a a lock so there's nobody in that house other than them when that happened but uh yeah we've had some 
pretty cool moments. Uh, my, I used to have a big deep freezer full of meat, like hog and rabbit, squirrel, and duck. You know, I used to hunt a lot. And uh, after I had left, I told my daughter, I said, you need to get rid of all this meat or cook it, whatever, you know. So I'm not coming back for it. I had nowhere to put it. And she called me up. She goes, hey, Dad, I made some duck tacos. Come pick some up. So I went over there and eat me some duck tacos. And uh, her boyfriend at the time was there. And she's like, he doesn't believe us when we tell him all this stuff happens in the house, you know. And I, so we started telling him all the stuff that we experienced. And as soon as I told him, I said, yeah, this is the, the kitchen sink used to come on by itself. And as soon as I said that, the kitchen sink comes on, you know. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we we all just started laughing. We thought it was funny, you know, because, you know, he didn't believe us. But um, Does anybody still live there? I mean, that, yeah. Your family? Yeah, yeah. Well, not my family, just ex-family wouldn't say that. But, uh, yeah, as far as I know, there's still activity there. Uh, another strange thing that happened, we were remodeling the hallway and the master bath. And, you know, my cousins were going to do it, right? You know, I was Mexican people. We got all our cousins in construction, right? <laughs> so <laughs> they came over. There was like five or six of them, right? They're all coming over. And they're, we're, we're game planning. This is the night before. It's a Wednesday night. And we're game planning. We're going to do this in the morning. We're going to do this. Okay, cool. You know, and my cousin Manuel's talking and he keeps looking down at his arm and he's like rubbing his arm. And he looks over at my other cousin who's standing, you know, four or five feet away from him. And my other cousin's like, what? He's like, dude, what are you doing to my arm? He says, what are you talking about? I'm standing over here. So Manuel goes to the corner of the kitchen where he can see everyone. And at this point, me and my family, we're, we're kind of looking at each other and smiling, right? And he's talking to us again. And he looks at his arm and he walks across the kitchen to me and he grabs my arm and he squeezes it really, really tight. And he's like, this is what it feels like. It feels like someone's squeezing the hell out of my arm. And uh, so we started telling him all the stuff that we experienced. The next morning he comes in and start working and he's like, hey, <laughs> yeah, that's right, Yolanda. And he's like, hey, look at my arm. He holds up his, his forearm and he's got four fingerprint bruises, four finger bruises on his arm. So I guess, you know, the previous owners didn't want uh, him doing any construction to the house. I know I know what Grizz would be doing. Yeah, I'd be running. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, and I'd be like, I I in the five to seven, yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be far behind you. <laughs> so Anthony Lewis wants to know, is there any place in the home that you get knocking sounds on walls there? I don't think so. It, it, no one's ever said anything to me, and I certainly never heard any knocking. But we've heard footsteps, like someone walking in the living room. It was a wooden floor in the living room, and it sounded like someone was walking, like a man was walking, you know. Throw your cat balls at him, yeah. <laughs> the, the, everybody loves my cat balls in my studio, Joe. It, it's just I have to tape them down. If not, they, they actually they they are, they get thrown at me. That's why I tape them. Oh, okay. I, yeah, that's why I was taping them earlier before the show went. So yeah, and FDL's telling me don't run, don't be scared. I know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, he he have his book out. <laughs> so yeah, none of us, none of us were, were ever ever scared of of anything. I mean, we were unnerved, you know what I'm saying? But we weren't like scared, like hey, we need to get the hell out of this house, you know? We just felt that whatever was there. Uh, wanted us to know that they were there and wanted us to know that it was their house. And that's what I was going to say. Um, uh, I don't know who said that they felt like there was a little girl there. 
I don't know about that. There may have been, but all I know is that the original owners of that house owned that house. It's like right after World War II, like in the early 40s. They bought that house. They were the only owners of the house and that neighborhood got built up. And then they lived into their late 90s and they died. They didn't die in the house, but they, they died in hospice. And uh, we knew, we know, we knew uh, for many, many, many years. And so uh, they wind up selling the house to people that we knew and they let us, you know, move in, you know, because of the situation. I don't want to go into it, but we had to, we wound up moving in, in over there. And uh, uh, that house was actually empty for like six or seven years before we finally moved in. So I think they were just like, hey, you know, we're still here. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, 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 they could have been that, you know, not seeing any really human contact for eight years yeah. or any contact at all. You know, they made up for it, didn't they? <laughs> and then I think my, you know, my dad, he, he passed in 2012. So I think he was also around too. And my kids also kind of felt it too. No, that, that's, uh, yeah. that, 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 that's always good, especially if they feel it too. That so at least you still have some type of, could potentially have some some type of contact, right? So, so like in 2017, I actually moved uh, outside of San Antonio, and I lived there until 2019. Uh, I was kind of going through a rough time, and so when I moved out there, I, I kind of felt my dad was around that whole time. And one time, I was uh, I was throwing some clothes down to my daughter. She was I was upstairs. She was downstairs. She was washing clothes, and the light switch right next to me flicked on. And I mean, I heard it flick, saw the light come on, and uh, I just knew it was my dad. I don't know why, I just knew it was him. And when I moved back to Houston in 2019, I was at my mom's house, and I was telling her, I was like, you know, I said, you know, dad's been around me all this time. I just always felt him. You know, I think he was just kind of watching out for me, you know, and uh, I told her about the light switch. And as I'm telling her the story, and I told her, I said, yeah, the light switch flicked on and the light came on. The light switch in the kitchen flicked on and the light came on in the kitchen. And we were both there. We both saw and heard it. That was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Grizzly talks about uh what was it? your your grandpa, right? Grizzly up in the, out in your back on your back deck? Yes, uh, down at the light. That is correct. Yeah, he saw, saw a cigarette. Saw a cigarette out there and, and could have could have been his grandpa. Huh. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my, yeah. My, my dad used to love going up to Austin. I had uh, some family that had land up there in the it's called Dripping Springs. Um, so he used to love going up there. And I had one of my cousins uh, that he went up there who they owned the land. Well, my uncle, which was his dad, uh, you know, him and my aunt, they were, they were the ones who the land actually belonged to. Uh, he passed away like a couple years before my dad did. And they were really, really close. Uh, my my cousin told me this dude because one day I I was outside I was you know around the fire and I came back inside the trailer and I'm looking out the the window he says that I see your dad and my dad sitting out there <laughs> you know and I was like why didn't you go out there and say hi he goes no nah, because I was tired and I said yeah you were <laughs> scared shit. You know. got your K two out huh huh Grizz yeah I got touched so oh, that's why I brought it out yeah I see yeah, it's it, on the it, middle it, the middle one. Yeah, it actually pinged red a couple of times while Joe was talking. Oh, did it? Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I got a, another interesting story involving my dad. Uh, so last year, in 2022, uh, it was April. My mom had just turned 72 years old, and we had a big party for her. We had a mariachi band, and uh, 
this was on a Sunday. On that Monday, my brother, my my uncle, which is my dad's twin brother, and his wife, my aunt, and my my niece, they were going to go to the cemetery to go visit my dad's, you know, grave. Um, so I was like, okay, cool, y'all go and let me know how it goes, you know. It's like, okay. So that Monday, it rained really, really bad, and I didn't talk to my brother until that Tuesday. And uh, every time it says that, and uh, so on that Tuesday, I'm fixing to say it a few more times, Samantha. Sorry. <laughs> so on that Tuesday, I called my brother. I'm like, hey, did you go to the cemetery? You know, how did the trip go? He goes, no, we wind up not going. It rained too bad, and it was just going to be too muddy. And he goes, we, we're going to reschedule it. So okay, cool. He said, but I got something to tell you. Uh, he said at the party, Madison, which was my youngest niece, she's, uh, she, she was 15 at that time. He said she came up to me at the party and was like, hey, I keep hearing grandpa's voice. And she said that uh, she said that my dad was telling her uh, that he was glad that grandma was having a party, that he was proud of us for giving her the party and that uh, she deserved it. Right. And that she kept hearing that. So my, um, I said, oh, I said, well, you know, that's cool. Right. You know, that's a pretty cool, cool little message. He goes, yeah, he goes, but check this out. He goes, when I talked to Uncle James Monday about canceling the trip, uh, he told me that Aunt Patty had heard my dad's voice at the party also, and that he told her that he was glad she was having the party, that she deserved it, and that when her time comes, that he would be waiting for her. So, And neither one of them knew that the other one had heard my dad's voice, They, but they oh, both yeah. at the party. Yeah, but that was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool no, that is, yeah. Yeah, that's That's interesting. Very. What do you think, Grizz? Yeah, it is very interesting. I, I love hearing stories. I really do. It's fascinating to hear other people's encounters. Yeah, yeah. You know, this uh, this stuff just it, it's just something that that's always fascinated me, and I and I love it. I love talking about. It. I could talk all day about you know all this stuff, and uh, you know uh, I won't shut up about it. <laughs> Just one second here. My my computer runs really slow sometimes. Uh, Catherine says, "Don't forget the like button, everybody." Thank you, Catherine. We appreciate that. Uh, so what Samantha also was saying was, Joe, every time you said the word "dad," uh, Grizzly's K two up there would uh would it's go correct. off. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I believe it because I think uh, I I think he's always around. You know, like I said, for those two years. He was definitely always around me, but uh, I think he knows now that I'm I'm in a good place, and he doesn't, he doesn't have to watch over me as much. You know, I'm still crazy, but you know, not as crazy. And and Yolanda asked if you ever figured out what it was or or what happened. It sounds like you you never really figured out who was actually at the house haunting you. Uh, I think or, it was the uh, the original owners for the most part. That's what I think it was. Yeah. And Lauren says, "Grizzly, you're a." Uh, it was Gretel that was rubbing the top of your head on your last one. That figures, yeah. That that figures, so yeah, right. I, I think she's still there with you. Probably is. <laughs> so, uh, Chad wants to know: Have you ever seen any Dogman in Texas? I've never Texas. seen Dogman, but I know uh, the area. As a matter of fact, uh, when I've mentioned Dripping Springs, that's actually like a uh, a hot spot. Um, for uh, for dogman, that whole it's, it's called the Hill Country of Texas, and that whole area is actually a hot spot for for, for dogman. So I've actually talked to a few people that live out in that area, 
who have seen both Dogman and Big. But yeah, definitely see the or heard you know stories of Dogman in those areas. And it's kind of rough terrain. Um, it's really hilly. That's why they call it the hill country. And uh, so I can see them being out there because all the ravines and creek beds, you know, I mean, they're deep enough for anything to walk through and you'll never see them, you know, even though there's not a lot of actual trees for cover, there's still a lot of cover. And, and it's just, like I said, they can walk through those ravines and you'll never see them. And they're right off the highway, a lot of these creeks and ravines and gullies. Yeah, and right, right. Yeah. So, I, I never realized how many cryptids there actually is until I started diving into this. Right. I mean, you got yeah. Mothman, Loch Ness Munster, you know, you, uh, man, there's a, there's a lot of them. Yeah. There, yeah. there really is. Ha, have yeah. you seen any, any other cryptids, Joe, other, other than Bigfoot and, and, and what, what you're talking about now? But no, I can't say I ever have, you know, I, I would love to see like an elemental, like a fairy or something like that. I would love that, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen any of that. And uh, as far as actually like putting my eyes on a Bigfoot, I haven't had what I would call a true sighting. I've seen uh, shadows and flashes of fur and yeah. legs that jumped out of a spotlight one night. You know, we were uh, camping at one of these active areas that we go to, and uh, it was me and a friend of mine named Shane, and then uh, my friend Armando who passed away a couple of years ago. He was parked on the edge of the, of the camp, kind of under under a tree, but not like completely under it. And uh, so we're sitting at around the campfire, and we're just kind of talking, and you know camping right and we hear this his truck like something hit his truck and it didn't sound like anything fell it sounded like somebody hit it from the side so we of course we went to his truck right right away anyway we're inspecting you know the bed of his truck on top of his truck there was nothing there so we walked across there's like a little clearing and there's a pond this may be a couple hundred feet from where we were camping and um He's shining. He had this big, bright flashlight. He's, he's going from his right to his left. When he gets about halfway on the other side of the pond, there's these two big, hairy legs that like jump back out of the spotlight. And that's like the closest that I've come to seeing anything. And uh, whatever it was, it its legs were as big from the uh, 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 thighs all the way to the ankles. It, was, it had huge legs, like linebacker legs, you know? Yeah. Dogman, they seen south of Austin near Wimberley. Yeah, we have Wimberley is a great area too for Dogman. As as a matter of fact, so like where I was living at outside of San Antonio, it was called Universal City, and that's like right on the edge of the hill country. But right next to Universal City is a town called Converse. Uh, when I moved out there and I was I was at work, this young kid came in and uh, he was a part timer. He had on a Bigfoot shirt, you know. So uh, during the night, I went over there, of course, and asked him, hey, man, what's up with your shirt? You know, and he's like, man, me and my dad, we love Bigfoot, you know, and uh, he knew a couple of people who had encounters. Uh, so we got to talking and he's like, yeah, he goes, you know where Converse is at, right? I'm like, yeah, I live right next to Converse. He said, yeah, they have what's called a Converse werewolf. And so I was like, oh, shoot. So I looked it up and yeah, like in the late 1800s, a farmer, he had sent his son out to go hunting. His son came back and was like, Dad, there's a monster out there. And he's like, there's no monsters out there. Get back out there, you know. So he goes back out there to go finish his hunt. He never, he never comes back. The next morning, the farmer gathers up some friends, and they go looking for his son. And they find him, this creature, eating at his kid, you know. And uh, they all 
take shots at it, but they said they was running so fast they couldn't get a beat on it, you know. But yeah, they found his, his son getting eaten by this creature, you know, which what they described as a dog man. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Another reason why you don't go out there on your own, huh? Yeah, definitely. Definitely not. Yeah. Especially with these dog men. They're, 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 they just seem a little bit more uh, more vicious and a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, but I, luckily I've never never run across one. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, There's a dog, man. I'm running. <laughs> dog, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you, you spoke about uh, uh, people having PTSD after their encounter sometimes, you know. When oh, I yeah. first, my friend Walter, we were going out to his area, and it's a, it's a very narrow road. Like, I've got uh, a Chevy Colorado, you know, extended cab, you know, but it's, it's a small truck. And even going down this road, I can have brush scraping the side of my truck. So that's how narrow this road is, right? So he's going down. He has his tundra. We're going down the road, and uh, a squirrel runs across the street or across the road. Man, he locks them brakes up. And I'm so glad I had my seatbelt on because I probably went through that windshield. But this was like, you know, he hadn't been back to that area since his encounter. And he was fine until we got maybe a quarter mile away. And, man, he was white-knuckling that steering wheel. You know, and we get yeah. there to the place, and I mean, he's telling me everything. But as he's telling me, he's like, he's got his head on the swivel. He's every little noise. He's turning around, and I mean, he's spinning around quick. You know, yeah. You know, so he's a lot better now. It's been almost three years, I guess. But yeah, he's a lot better now. He can go out there. But yeah. yeah. What about you, way. Chris? You get you get PTSD for anything? Yeah, law enforcement. So yeah. that and 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 uh, the X Y, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but no, it, it's it's. Uh, I've seen grown men crying uh, on on the air, telling and reliving their encounters, yeah. and they will not go back fishing, hunting, camping. No, they just. And when they get near woods, they just totally freak out and lose it. And yeah. I feel sorry for them is because the human mind is made to protect itself and the body. Right. And people are conditioned to believe what we are taught that does and does not exist. And when they think that things does not exist and they see something that they do not believe in, in front of them that it cannot comprehend it really messes with the mind and the body and a lot of people it causes that trauma and they cannot get over it and it's very sad right. it really yeah. is yeah, exactly so, you know i'll never forget when my when my therapist and i were talking you know i'm like what do you like to do in your hobbies well i like to investigate bigfoot and the paranormal and ghosts they're like what and next thing I know, you know, and they're like, you're not giving no medicine. They're like, well, we need to talk. No, you need to talk. This stuff is real. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so, but now things are a little more open, but still, you still get, you know, tainted in, in small communities coming forward with your stories and encounters. And it's sad. It really is how people are, are treated still to this day over it. Yeah. So, it really is. Yeah, and you know, and I've talked to you know grown men, and I'm sure you have too, uh, Grizzly, uh, who will tell you that when they ran into these things, they peed themselves. You know, they you know, messed their britches. Yep. You know, and, and for another 
some of these men that I've talked to, you know, are like men I would have never think that would do that, you know, that, you know, piss their right. You know, and and, and I, well, I'm talking guys six foot four, 325 pounds. We're not talking, you know, heavy set, like, you know, I can't run. We're talking like bodybuilder guys that are muscular that whimper and cry. I mean, I like literally have them break down on my show and I'm like, uh, let's go to commercial break. And, or I tell them, uh, Hey, it's okay. Take your time. And, you know, and, 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 and they're just like having an episode on the show and it's like, man, you know, I'm sorry. I got, you know, and it, your heart really goes out to people like that because it's like I said, you know, and, and some of them tells you, and it's told me just like you, it's taken me X amount of years just to even come forward and tell my encounter or my story. And it's still hard for some of them to this day to even speak about it. And it's sad. It really is. Yeah, I had a, a, a friend of mine who's a law enforcement and he sold all his hunting equipment after his encounter. You know, Same. Like, yeah. And people do that. You know, they sell all their equipment. You know, I talked to another hunter. Um, he told me the same thing. He goes, I'll never go back in the woods again. He's just going to sell all his equipment or give it away. He said, I'll never go back. I'll never go back again. And that's the reaction. You either quit going to the woods or you go into this whole Bigfoot field, you know, and, uh, yeah, so there's like two kind of reactions I think people have with, with this subject. They either shut down or they're, they're diving both feet, you know, first. Yeah, and, and it does, and it actually happens. And, you know, the paranormal realm when it comes to the, the ghost and the spirits and, and stuff like that, it's a little bit different. Uh, you know, I think they're more conditioned because of the paranormal movies that they watch, the horror movies. Uh, but still, you still have believers that don't believe in the afterlife. They don't believe in spirits or demonic things or possessions and and unfortunately, you know, they're like, well, I'll see it when it happens and I'll believe it. Well, guess what? Come to my studio and, and sit in my seat and I will not tape anything down, ladies and gentlemen, and you will get things tossed at you. My dolls will jump on top of you and it will literally scale the hell out of you, you know, and I don't have to go anywhere to investigate. So uh, and that's what's crazy. It really is. And, you know, and you've been an investigator and, and doing the same thing I do. I mean, you hear all kinds of stories from people and it's wild because it's never the same story and it's, and, and it's from credible people. It really is. Agreed. And that's, that's what brings, uh, you know, you guys talking about the bigger guys, you know, or, or not just bigger guys, but anybody that's going to have that type of PTSD that, you know, you know, they saw something, right. right? They're just not making it up. They, they, they saw something that, that scared the hell out of them. Uh, you know, so, so, so that brings even more to the people that maybe don't believe it. It could help change their mind to to an extent. So, you know, the the physical reaction, the psychological reaction that they have to some of these encounters, people don't get that when they see a bear, when they see a bobcat, when they see a moose. You know, yeah, they don't react that way. You know, um, so to me, that in itself is very telling, and you know. Two, two of the guys I've talked to were former NFL players, you know, big dude, six 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 five, right? And yeah. these guys are like, I'll never go back into the woods again, you know? And one of them still to this day keeps in real great shape, right? So he's not like some, you know, guy who let himself go and can't run and can't defend yeah. himself, you know? He's like, I'll never go back into the woods again, you know? So, 
now absolutely and you know i like i know a surgeon who moved here to texas just to investigate bigfoot a surgeon you know yeah that's cool. that operates on people <laughs> you know gets paid very very well and he's out he moved to texas just to look for bigfoot that's interesting yeah i mean there are people out there all walks across the line that you know investigate and do believe and and there are and unfortunately there are people out there that 30 40 years plus that are still out in the woods or in the field and never have encountered uh, a creature or, or being or anything right. and my heart goes out to them because you know they want to see so badly and i always tell people don't try hard you know uh the indians told us you know they still call us white men and they make fun of us because we wear camouflage. Like, don't don't do that. They know you're out there. They know they know your intentions before you even hit the wood or the tree line. So you know, it's very interesting what I've learned over the years, and and it's kind of you know woken me up a little bit and put a different perspective on my views. But yes, Samantha, spirits are everywhere. Um, the other day, Joe, we had a fairy on one of our shows uh that actually flew in front of uh lady's camera it had wings and legs it was very interesting hmm. so fairies do exist yeah. and uh you asked me 10 15 years ago i would laugh at you right so yeah. anymore you know I, i'm open to anything so yeah you got every mind open you definitely yeah we like over the last i guess four years i've got a collection of crystals and tarot cards and oracle cards you know i have sage and stuff if you had told me, you know, five years ago, you'd I would have all this, I would tell you you were crazy. I would say there's no way I'm having all that stuff in my house, you know. <laughs> right, right. I do, you know. So. Well, the one thing I don't have is a Ouija board. Uh, I won't ever have a Ouija board. No. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Yolanda, be careful on what you wish for. Because you never know what you're gonna get in return. Absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah, we had a uh, we had a, a, another really weird encounter while we were camping, and it, it's not something I found out until right after COVID hit, right when everything got shut down. Uh, my friend Shane uh, called me up. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna send you this file. Tell me if this comes from your recorder." So he sent me the file, and the file had the you know the mark on it from my brand of recorder that I used. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, that's my recorder." And plus, when we had went camping, this was like. I don't know, maybe three or four years before COVID hit. Because I still have like audio I haven't even listened to, right? And he's like, you know, he had nothing to do. So he's going through all the audio and stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, we weren't working. And he's like, listen to it at this point, right? He marked it for me. And you can hear footsteps walking around right. our camp. I set, I set a recorder in, in our campground. And uh, there was something walking around our camp with, with two feet. You know, it was clearly you could hear it, yeah. it was clear, clear as night. But uh, on that night too, we also got a bunch of activity from the other recorders that we had set out. Some pretty cool whistles and and screams. But I thought it was just interesting that we had something or someone walking around our camp. You know, and we were all armed, so you know, to me, for a man to do that, you're taking a big risk when you come into someone else's camp in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep. You know. Oh yeah. A big risk messing with stuff, but nothing was messed with. But 
So what I do is when I go out, one of my techniques is I get those little uh, chem lights, you know, that you sh break and you shake up and you, mm -hmm. and uh -huh. they glow different colors. When I set out my, my recorders, I set them out within that perimeter also. I'll hang them, you know, with like fishing line or whatever. Sometimes I just set them out there and hopefully get some kind of uh, action with those, you know, maybe something to get curious and come mess with it, you know. But I'm about to implement, which I can't believe I never thought of before, uh, the little jingle bells, you know. You pick them up and you kind of rattle them around. And oh, yeah. Them. yeah. So I'm actually I'm going to set those out next to my recorders, too. Hmm. I haven't had a chance to do that, but that's what I'm going to do. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Never loving. Now, we have uh, reports that uh, in some places that these creatures will take the recorders and turn them off. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're into the paranormal, and like me, we have a lot of different types of different recorders. And this is just the ones that are in reach. So, and when I say different recorders, I'm talking different makes, models, brands. And a lot of these don't just have a button that you hit to turn off. You either have to hold it or the power on, right? Slide it. Right. But they will actually turn them off and put them back or you leave out in your camping area, they will confiscate them. Then on the way out, they will place them and stack them all on top of each other and remind you to take them with you. Mm -hmm. Now that's crazy, isn't it? Right, right. So, so one of like the very first camping trips or Bigfoot trips that I took, um, I have a recorder, right? And I had it sitting down under a log and I put a big piece of bark over it just to protect it from the elements, you know? And I had it facing up because the microphone is facing up. The next morning, go out, look for my recorders. I go to that recorder. It's face down, and it's turned off. Same. And I know, and I know is it that I had it facing up because, like I said, it was face down when I saw it, and the back was all sandy. So, because when I set it down, it was it was a sandy area area. So whoever came and turned it off and put it back down, they put it face down, and where I could see the sand on the back. And That's when wild. I listened to it. You can hear like maybe one or two footsteps, and then you can hear it being fumbled with and turned off. Yeah. Makes makes you think that they're probably watching you when you put it there, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a very active area. Uh, I've come to find out, you know, years later. Yolanda says, "Be careful what you wish for." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. But what do you think, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. You know, it, it's always to get uh, different perspectives from different people, and especially hearing their encounters. Uh, it's it's nobody, I like I always say, is ever alone in this field, you know. So, and a lot of people that hear this, you know, that, that resonates with them, it's like, wow, that happened to me. Or, oh, that happened to so-and-so, you know. I didn't think that's possible. You know, I, I was the same way years ago. You don't get me wrong. But now, like I said, anymore, it's just like, you know, I mean, really, something turning off and on a recorder. Now, these people that I'm referring to are very well credible in the field, very well uh, in the cryptic world. And they have no reason to lie. And they have these creatures on their property. And they camp out. 
and they take out these little hand drums and beat with them and it's just wild the stuff that i that we encountered and and what we were told and then you have the indigenous people you know and their tribes and they're telling us their rules and their regulations and and how well they're structured and you're like what in the world so it's just it's just amazing then you put the paranormal spin on it you know the realm and in the spirits and touching and you know moving objects and knocks and it's just like wow so there's a whole lot out there that people just don't understand and that's the truth we were talking about recorders but um so in the south texas uh some people that i I was introduced to they've got man there's there's like three or four of their same family members on this land. It's like over a thousand acres uh, total. I think they themselves own like 200 acres and uh, they have, they've got a lot of Bigfoot activity and it's man, very, very heavily brushed out there. And uh, they set up their, their trail cams out there cause they like to hunt. And uh, they've come out and they found like all the lenses poked out, you know, like something poked out the camera lenses. Well, wow. something did poke it out. Yeah. They had like maybe 10 or 12 cameras out there all with their camera lens poked out. Yolanda, you can go to Amazon, get the recorders. You can spend anywhere between. I've I've got some that are 20 bucks all the way up to $400. Depends and on how fancy. And <laughs> so, yeah. So, it depends how fancy you want to get and the technology that comes with it. So, but, yeah. But no, but uh, that's very interesting. Chad, I've heard a couple of people that used the Schaefer horn and gotten a lot of activity. Chauffeur. Is that a Schaefer or chauffeur? Chauffeur? I'm never, what is that? I'm not even sure what that is. It didn't like the old Viking horn. Ooh, I don't know. That's interesting. We'll look that up real quick. Chauffeur horn. So I know a lot of people use the Tibet bows. That works. So the vibrations, so the frequencies. I know they. Uh, a lot of people use that, and they get good responses out of it. I don't know if you can see it or not, but yeah, it's one of those Viking horn things. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. So blowing that, I guess, as a uh, kind of like deer hunting or something. You know, making the noises, right? Huh. Yeah, go torn, Chad says. Go torn, yeah. You got to be careful. You might be doing a mating call. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what Ron <laughs> told me. He's like, be careful what you blast because you don't know if it's a mating call or a fighting call. Yeah. But I, I've got one guy that was teaching us on the show, uh, Cherokee language, because he, he'll talk to him in Cherokee, you know, and he taught us OCO. You know, what is your name? And, uh, and it was weird because they would get responses and I forgot what no means in this language, but they would respond back. No. And, and the people that were with them like, what in the hell, you know? And it's like, yeah, they're telling me, no, they don't want to talk. So it's just, and I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's crazy. I'm believe it or not. It's up to you, but it happens. So yes, in the biblical terms, Chad, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. 
Samantha asked if it was a musical instrument in the Bible, so it sounds like it was. Oh, it could it? have been. So I know they had different horns back then, so. But, yeah. But uh, interesting. I'm going to have to try that once. I've got one of those. How oh, Catherine well, she says she's blowing that, blowing that horn. <laughs> <laughs> Conan Barbarian has used one, or Kono Bo used one. So Conan Barbarian, Kunbo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kunbo. Kunbo. But yeah, you know, you guys know who Kunbo is? Kunbo. I don't know. No, I don't. Mm -mm. Bigfoot researcher. I was really. gonna have to Google that one. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's a Bigfoot researcher? Yeah, his name's Tim Baker, actually. Oh, okay. Well, you know, people use different things, so. Dude, I used a dog whistle one time, and we got a growl back at us that I don't pull that thing out no more. Yeah, we were out in this, in, a, in another active area, and I was uh, someone told me to take a dog whistle with me, so I, I bought one on the way up there, and I blew it like four or five times. And it was me, Shane, and my friend Ernie. We were sitting out there and we're standing out there. And man, we got this growl and it hit us like right in the chest. And we were like, well, don't be blowing on that damn thing no more. They don't, they're pretty wow. they didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could hear that because, uh, you know, the hearing's got to be good and stuff. So, especially the eyesight at night. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody got any more comments or questions to ask? Just making sure I didn't miss any. I'm going through there because I know I missed a few earlier. But that's some very interesting things that you said, Joe. I'm I'm greatly appreciate you took the time to come on the show and yeah, I know you have you. to go and you know you got prior arrangements and everything, and I greatly appreciate you yeah. taking the time. Thank you very much. It was great uh, learning. Uh, learning about that, you know, about Bigfoot, and uh, like I said, somebody that's just kind of starting off. This is this would be a great show for them to listen to, you know, kind of kind of get a better understanding of it, and, and definitely uh, reach out to to the group that you're in. Right, absolutely. So, Chad says I know an old timer that was coon hunting and uh, treated a young wood booger and screamed and knocked him down, and, and the dogs and all. So, yeah. Uh, that's what we call uh, infrasound. So, yep. So, Catherine says, interesting show, guys. Well, thank you. Thank I was you. glad to have you, Joe. And uh, hopefully we get to see you again. And uh, let us know there's anything we can do for you, sir. Yes, yeah, same same with you guys. I don't know if you guys are uh, members of the uh, Beyond the Woodline fan page, but if you are, man, man, post your show on it, you know. Yeah, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you, sir. And be safe in your travels. Take care. Thanks, oh, look, and the cat ball comes on right as I say, take care of the go figure. Hey Joe, was there anything? Oh, oh, go ahead. Hey Joe, was there uh was there anything you want to advertise or anything? Yeah, you know, uh Beyond the Woodline podcast, it's available on uh YouTube, Facebook. And if you guys uh want to talk some interesting stories, you want to be a guest on the show, it's uh beyond.woodline at gmail.com and uh I'm pretty accessible, guys, you know, so you shouldn't have a hard time trying to find me. No, cool. absolutely. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care, and we'll see you, man.
Hey guys, you have a good night. All right. You, you too. too. Bye bye. Oh wow, man. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. man. This is great. Yeah. I mean, very interesting, that's for sure. Good, good. So deal. never a dull moment. A lot of good information, you know, especially from Texas and everything. So it was good for me to see 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 us dive into the Bigfoot side of it. You know, I know I have you as as the Bigfoot guy as well. And uh to hear you both talk about it, you know, that's that's very it was very interesting for me to to be able to understand it a little bit better. And I guarantee people listening understand it, understanding it a little bit better now too. So that was good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So what we got going on for next week? You got anything planned or are we are we gonna surprise people? Uh, we're going to, I'm getting better about sending out flyers now. I'm getting in a couple of days earlier. I think I figured out Canva. I just can't figure out how to link it. That's the only issue I have because I have your link that you give me, you know, right. and, and I'd like to be able to have the people be able to click on it, but I'm working it. I, I, I'm working it. So, uh, but yeah, there'll, it'll be a surprise for somebody next Wednesday night. We'll definitely have somebody on. So, yeah. No, not a problem, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you enjoyed the show tonight, and uh, Godspeed, and we'll see you next time. Take care, Thanks, guys. guys. We'll see you. Bye-bye.